0: As you're listening to this episode, let us know if you have any questions for our guest. If so, please send us a message to team at onehaas.org or join our discussion board using our Clever podcast app. You can download the app at clever.fm. Welcome to the Haas podcast. I'm Chris Kim, and I'm here with our host, Sean Lee. Today we have Kevin Trunk. Berkeley Haas undergrad and future investment banker. Kevin has an amazing story as a first generation college student, competitive gamer, and overcoming barriers to reach where he is today. Kevin, thanks for joining us and great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here.
0: I'd love to just hear about where did you grow up and and what was that experience like?
1: yeah sure thing so i grew up in the city of stockton california um it's a city in northern california central valley area about 40 minutes south of sacramento about an hour and a half east of here in berkeley honestly like sometimes i think i I take the, the city for granted it's easy to feel like there's like nothing to do or the city is boring when you're first living in it but Definitely an interesting city. A fun fact I always like to tell people is we were the first city to go bankrupt in 2008. So yeah, that always gets a chuckle out of people. But I think like since then the city's been doing a lot. I actually interned for my mayor's office this summer after my freshman year, so got to learn a lot more about the city or the city that I knew before. It's a pretty nice city for what it is. It's a pretty nice city. I had a you know relatively good experience growing up. You know elementary and middle school were fine and. I was able to go to one of the better high schools in the area, Middle College High School, where it was actually located on our local community college campus, San Joaquin Delta College. So I got to take community college classes as well as my normal high school classes. Oh, wow. And I actually graduated with two associate degrees along with my high school diploma. Holy
0: moly. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. Wow. How did you find time to do all that, Kevin, even while you're in high school, I saw you were in a bunch of clubs and, and things like that before you came to Haas, like or Berkeley, even like, how did you manage all that and get associate's degrees? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the way my high school set up, so we take all of our high school classes in the afternoon. And the interesting thing was the high school provided like the bare minimum amount of like classes in terms of, you know, obviously like English, science, math, but like all of the normal electives that you would normally take at a high school, we basically took college classes in the morning instead of those electives. So tackless was actually done through the community college. So I took like tackless to the community college, I took chem through the community college and econ English, you know, and a, a multitude of other classes in terms of balancing it. I don't know, I feel like looking back as a high schooler, you have a ton of time on your hands. Yeah, Kevin,
0: I know, uh, as we said, like, you kind of an overachiever, even from a young age, I read a an article that was produced and covered your life story. You definitely had a lot of things maybe that are are unique to you, like your first generation college student. And also, I know it might be worth talking about. You've overcome some barriers, especially related to disability. And I'm w- wondering if you might share uh, with folks who are listening that experience and what was that like growing up?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely happy to. I think there's definitely a ton and a ton that I can talk about, but I'll try to briefly cover everything. I think, yeah, growing up with a disability was definitely made life very um, interesting and like difficult in a lot of aspects. I was first diagnosed Around the age of like somewhere between three and four, you know, there's like a 50-50 chance I'd be born with dwarfism or not. And when I was first born, they didn't think I had dwarfism when my growth was stunted very early on. That's when I was diagnosed. And I think I went through a lot of the similar challenges that a lot of people with dwarfism face. I think it was really rough, like during elementary and even like, you know, going into middle school a bit it was like kind of like the teasing that, that was always done you know, people laughing, you know, asking why I was shorter than everyone else. and. You know, I was always tough, like as a child, you know, I'll often like come home to my parents and just, you know, ask why, you know, people were so mean. But I think as I've grown older, I've learned that like with like kids, a lot of the times they're just like not exposed to these types of things and like they don't know any better and they're, they're genuinely like more curious than anything else. And I think something that like kind of gives me comfort, you know, that a, a teacher in high school told me, she, what was touching for me was like I was going through a tough time in high school and I told her that I, was, I was depressed and she sat me down after class one day and talked about how, like, you know, she said, like, Kevin, you know, you you may not realize this, but you really are like an inspiration to some people here and and in the classroom you are just seeing you go about your life. I think it really motivates people. And, you know, I, at that point, I never really thought about it that way. And it made me like a good thing for her to like cheer me up and, and, you know, say that meant a lot. And I guess kind of like jumping ahead in my internship this past summer, one of the associates that I worked with said the same thing on the last day of my internship before I left, I was thinking about it when he was like, Kevin, I just want to say you really are an inspiration. When we were taken into account your return offer, we didn't talk about your disability at all. You know, we just judge you based on your work. And it's really inspiring seeing someone from you, you know, doing this job. And being out here not that you know i go out of my way to quote unquote try to be an inspiration yeah. but i think it's definitely very touching to hear that from people
0: no that, that's awesome kevin for some of the folks who aren't familiar could you maybe explain what dwarfism is and you know how common it is or how uncommon it might be uh, just so folks can get a sense of, of what it actually means to to have dwarfism or or to know somebody who has dwarfism
1: you know, to be honest, I, I may not be the best person to talk about this. I have a specific type of dwarfism. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but basically with dwarfism, basically your your like bone growth is stunted. As far as I know, like on on percentage basically it doesn't affect that many people within the population. I don't want I don't want to throw like a random number, but basically just like stunted bone growth, and you know you, you'll see that people with dwarfism are much smaller in height than most other people. It's interesting because. An example I I was told once is like, we're not like hobbits from Lord of the Rings where like, they're shorter, but but like, but they're proportional Our our proportions are actually like, we're we're like not proportionally shorter. So it makes like buying clothes hard. Uh, I'm lucky to have family friend that like tailors a lot of my clothes. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Could you share maybe
0: some of the things that maybe other people take for granted in terms of things that could be uh, difficult or are part of a daily life that you kind of think about not necessarily because you have a disability, but just things that make you more cognizant because of your experience and and maybe how other people might be experiencing.
1: Yeah, I kind of like dislocated my knee in middle school. So I had surgery before starting high school. And then basically, after that, I haven't been able to like walk. Well, even before that, people with dwarfism, like our, our legs, Part of it is like our muscles are like a bit weaker than normal people, so it makes actually like walking long distances like really hard. Like in PE, I, I was never able to like run a mile. I, I would do half a mile, and then after that surgery, I basically you know I went to physical therapy, and they actually recommended that I get an electric scooter to make uh, getting around uh, more easily. So ever since ninth grade freshman year and up till now, I make use of a little uh, electric scooter to get around for long distances. And it's basically motor transportation outside of like very short distances in terms of like walking around the classroom or just walking around my house.
0: We talked a little bit about dwarfism right now. There is so much more to you, uh, Kevin, than that. You ended up at Cal. Was that always part of your dream or how did you end up at Cal and, and be on campus here at Berkeley?
1: Yeah, good question, good question. You know, when I was applying to college, obviously, being from California, you know, everyone knows UC Berkeley, everyone knows the UC system. So like within California and the UC system, you know, definitely Cal was up there in terms of one of my top choices. But as I was actually deciding what colleges to apply to, I actually wanted to leave California and go to a school on the East Coast. Just because I had been in California my whole life. And I felt like for college, I wanted a change of scenery and to get out of like, the California bubble. A lot of my top choice, my top choice school was actually like Yale on the East Coast. And, you know, Ooh. I definitely wanted to go somewhere on the East Coast, you know, ideally in Ivy. You know, unfortunately, the college application process did not go my way. So I got rejected from every private school I applied to and every East Coast school I applied to. So when it came down to it, I was deciding between UCLA and UC Berkeley. And definitely a great choice, not complaining by any means. When I was deciding between the two, I was actually pretty leaning towards UCLA. I went down. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. I went down for four day, three night like admin program and got to, you know, meet a lot of people, experience the culture of the campus. And I really liked it. But when it came time to decide, I think for me, you know, I'm very like ambitious and also like academically like driven person. And when looking at kind of like the academic programs of both schools, UCLA doesn't really have an undergrad business program. They have a business econ. Mm -hmm. And I just knew like Haas and our business school. Which is you know much better than ucla and even if i were to not get into haas at berkeley our econ program is also that much better so i kind of took that like academic perspective and ended up choosing berkeley for those reasons
0: yeah you kind of segued to my next question like how did you decide to end up going to haas it sounds like you were interested even in high school to go into business but what was that what was that journey like and what attracted you to the program specifically
1: yeah yeah definitely i i'd known since like junior year of high school, I wanted to, for college, I wanted to major in business and, you know, I did a lot of research my junior and senior year on what schools had good business programs, and especially in California and within the UC system. There aren't that many UCs with like very good business programs and like kind of host so that I was like the best one out of all of them. So I did a lot of research. and I guess like what attracted me to host as well. The practical nature of what you learn. I if I hadn't done Haas, I would have done econ, but I don't mm. think I would have enjoyed econ as much because mm. it's a bit too theoretical for my taste. And like, I just feel like I want my education to be applicable to to whatever I do, in, you know, in the future. And I think like what I've learned at Haas has been pretty useful to like my future job and career path. um And along with that, you know, Haas is, you know I got to experience firsthand the beginning my freshman year. The, the Haas community is like very collaborative, and there's a lot of people in Haas and in UC Berkeley in general, like doing very you know, awesome things. everyone here is very motivated and ambitious to pursue you know whatever they, they want to do. and I think being surrounded by a community like that of like like-minded individuals who are ambitious and will push you to be the best version of yourself was, was very attractive mm-hmm. to me.
0: Can you talk a bit about that? Bring us back to the first time you got to school and and on campus and getting settling in. Uh, What was that experience like and any major struggles or any memories that you remember from that first time you became a cow bear and you were on campus here at Berkeley?
1: I actually started school this summer before my freshman year through a program called Summer Bridge. It kind of like allowed you to live on campus and take some classes to ease you in with the transition to college. So that summer, I took a math class as well as an English class, and I think the summer program, I, I didn't necessarily do that well in my classes, but I think the summer program really showed like what Berkeley classes were like. So what, once I went into the fall, I had an idea of like how, you know, because UC Berkeley is a pretty difficult school, you know, classes are pretty rigorous. So I kind of, you know, even though the summer wasn't the best for me academically, it gave me a very good, real taste of what college classes were actually like, and I think it helped prepare me for the fall. As well as like, you know, I got to meet a lot of cool people, got to, you know, live in the dorms for the first time, get, you know, acclimated to that. So the summer was fun. Going into the fall, I think, I guess like first major struggle was like during orientation, GBO is what they call it. It was hard making friends, to be honest. Obviously, you've been, you know, stuck with the same people in high school for four years. You know, obviously, like in a new environment, you're not going to make friends right away, but I'm, I'm not going to throw my like GBO group under the bus. But like it was kind of hard to like connect with people. And I felt like. Some people just weren't interested in like talking or getting to know me. To this day, there's actually only like one girl I keep in touch with from my my orientation group, and she's one of my best friends here. So that that's the one thing that came a good thing that came out of it. But yeah, after orientation, I just felt like I didn't really make a lot of friends. And but I think that slowly like went away as I um, one of my first group of friends who became my friends were my floor mates. I had a very social floor and to this day actually we're we're still connected with one another and we still hang out like a couple times a month so really grateful for them and for them contributing to a uh, good freshman year experience so that's first major struggle i think second major struggle is clubs on campus i think it's pretty well known that like Berkeley has a pretty competitive like club culture. You know, you have all these consulting and business clubs where you actually have to like submit applications to get into the club and go through two round inter- interview processes, like what you would have in like an actual job. And all these clubs advertise their like five percent acceptance rate. It's like oh. you know, it's <laughs> actually like pretty insane. When I talk about it to my friends at other schools who are, are where it's like less competitive, first semester, you know, I was interested in applying to a lot of these clubs. I must have applied to like ten, somewhere between ten to fifteen clubs. And I got rejected from like most of these clubs. And I had only gotten into one business club, which is Capital Investments at Berkeley. It's one of our investment clubs on campus. It was definitely very shocking to me coming from a school where like begging people to like join our clubs.
0: I feel like that's the norm. Doing an interview, <laughs> this two-stage interview for a club sounds... Uh... Sounds very much like Berkeley, but yeah. <laughs> but that's crazy. Kevin, for for folks who maybe aren't familiar with like clubs, like consulting clubs or finance clubs, as you're talking about, can you explain what that looks like a little bit at, at Berkeley and specifically around Haas? And what's the student experience like as you're trying to figure out if you should join a club or not?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll try to do my best to give it a very... Holistic and unbiased view of Berkeley and the club culture here. But I, I will say a lot of this is my own experience, and other people may have experience have, have different experiences when applying to these clubs. But basically, like, yeah, clubs are pretty competitive here just because, at least when compared to like high school, the clubs here, you know, you're doing like actual work. And it's also a lot about networking, you know, a lot of these clubs tout their alumni. I've gone to like, I don't know, like Goldman Sachs, Amazon, all these prestigious companies. And, you know, obviously it's really, really competitive because they, you know, unfortunately they just don't have enough space to accept everyone. I guess like the two main types of like business clubs specifically are like consulting clubs and finance slash investing clubs. In terms of consulting clubs, they emulate what actual consulting firms actually do in terms of they each take on a couple like client projects each semester and then the students act like consultants and you know participate in the you know, eight-week project present a deliverable and yeah you get to really experience what it's like to be be consultant for a semester um we have tons and tons of consulting club on campus i think upwards of 20 at this point if i'm not mistaken you know honestly very big attraction here and they attract honestly a lot of people who aren't business either just due to the Interdisciplinary nature and, you know, the transferable skills that you develop. So you see a lot of people apply and join these consulting clubs and they usually run, you know, like a two round process, usually like a first round, which is usually like a group case interview and then a second round, which is either individual case or like more behavioral. Some clubs will be individual first and then group, but yeah, definitely pretty intense process. A lot of them accept less than 5% of people, maybe like eight people out of 200, you know, applicants. It's quite competitive and. In terms of finance clubs, you have some that actually manage money, like my club, others that are more about professional development and networking. Um, And similarly competitive process there, except now instead of like case interviews, we're doing stock pitches and asking more about more like finance related questions. And I think like a lot of people and especially those outside of the business community would consider like the club culture pretty toxic, especially with a lot of...
0: Why is that?
1: I think because it's so competitive. It creates a bit of a elitist, I guess, like vibe or attitude among like a lot of like the top consulting clubs. Also, I'm obviously like generalizing a bit here. I know people at pretty much no, like, no, every yeah. every club at this point. They're like nice people, but that is the vibe that like honestly like people get at first sight. And people, at least in the business community, everyone's very pre professional, right? Everyone wants to pad their resume to get a job, and also for continuing students, freshman and sophomore, everyone's gunning to pad their resume to apply to Haas. So. It's a lot of like talks of like which cl- this club is higher tier than this other club. You know, this will definitely help me get in the hoss more. This club is higher tier because you know they have more alumni connections. You know, I will say for me though, I will credit my clubs with like developing me like a- very well professionally, and I-, I wouldn't have gotten my internships without the help of like my club and what I learned and you know my mentors in, in these clubs.
0: That's awesome. It's great to hear, Kevin. I know these other clubs who didn't accept you. It's definitely their <laughs> loss, but it was, uh, you know, someone's game gain as well. Could you talk a bit about uh, your experience in capital investments at Berkeley, and maybe share a bit about the club and what your experience was like in the club and how that helped you?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Getting into the club was very—I honestly did not expect to get into the club at all. I thought I had a very, pretty terrible interview because, like, I actually came in with like very little finance experience. I Somehow got the markets, a market sizing question. And somehow got through that. And then they asked me like what a financial multiple was. And I didn't know exactly what that was. So definitely did not have a perfect interview by any means, but I was interviewed by the president and a guy who had become my mentor in the club at that time. And I think, you know, he later on told me that, you know, despite my lack of finance experience, they really took my background into account. You know, they knew, you know, I was first generation, did not have any family that worked in business or finance before. Despite not knowing that much, they were impressed by how much I knew. And they could tell that I was like hardworking and it would contribute positively to the club. I'm really grateful for them taking a chance on me because like, honestly, like a lot of other clubs didn't, just because I obviously came in not prepared, right? This is my first time experiencing it. So going into club, you know we have a very like well developed like financial like education curriculum where you'll learn the basics of how to evaluate a company investment ideation, how to do financial modeling, the basis of accounting, and really like is it, it was you were going through this program and then after that going through that program your first semester, you know you put in a on a like portfolio team where you get, actually get the pitch to the club you know we manage you know about somewhere between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars now and we do pitches and actually invest in our, our members' pitches. And it's through these experiences that really help me kind of like hone down on like my technical like finance skill set. Because you don't really you don't take business or finance courses until you get into Haas really. A lot of students like we're recruiting before we really get into Haas. And especially mm-hmm. for banking when it's so accelerated. So if I hadn't gotten into this club, I would have had to learn all of this on my own time. And that would have been like much more difficult, but because I went through this you know, program that the club provides and you know, I'm surrounded by people who have had internships, who know about all these things, like, it really helped. Because of that, I'm really grateful for this club taking a chance on me and I do my best to like give back and pass on what I know and help out a lot of the younger members. Since joining the club, I've held the positions of portfolio manager, VP education, and now VP of Fundamental Strategies.
0: Kevin, would you share a bit about what that experience was like on top of, if I understand correctly, you did a lot of other stuff your freshman year <laughs> at Haas. You know, one of the things that stood out is, if I'm understanding correctly, you were a competitive gamer when you came to Haas?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my freshman year, outside of capital investments at Berkeley, I was in two other clubs. I was part of a, a volunteering club called Matriculate, where we advise low income, high achieving high school students through the college application process. And I was also a part of Cal eSports. In Cal eSports, I was a Division Two player for our Hearthstone team, which if you're not familiar with. Hearthstone, it's a digital uh, collectible card game by activision blizzard um and you know it's about honestly quite old at this point but we you know it's still a lot of tournaments going on and we still feel the team for that but you know honestly it was quite an interesting experience i gamed a lot in high school and i would say to this day it's still like my main hobby when i just you want know, to relax and have fun you know i saw the opportunity like i knew we had a Pre-developed esport program. And like, I thought, why not, you know, apply and try out for the team? So I tried out. Unfortunately, it was not good enough to make our varsity team, but you know, I got the the D2 position and played for the entire year. Unfortunately, never really placed that highly, but it honestly was like pretty fun to participate in and get that excuse to like game, you know, a couple hours a week. And, you know, we have an esports center here on campus, actually up in the foothill dorm. So it was nice getting to go there every week, you know, get to to sit down and play on the, the, the very nice gaming computers.
0: Nice. Very cool. And then for Matriculate, would you share a bit about what that experience was like and what you did there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Matriculate provides a free, you know, college advising and mentorship to low-income, high-achieving high school students all across the nation. There's actually like multiple Matriculate chapters across different college campuses because it employs, you know, college students as volunteers. So I acted as an advising fellow to three students, and you basically met with them weekly, you know, and helped them with. Signing their college list, making a testing plan, helping them write their essays, helping them apply to scholarships—it's like really walking them through the entire process because most of these students are like first generation, like me, and you know don't really have any idea how to walk through the process and. For me, it's just, I, I just love giving back and helping people, and especially those from similar backgrounds as me. You know, I think the, cl- uh, the organization was a, a perfect fit, and I'm still actively involved. I'm doing my last, I'm advising my last, what we call him, high school fellow right now. And he awesome. actually recently just submitted applications to MIT and U Chicago. So Holy moly. Ho- hopefully, yeah, you know, we get good news in December. Fingers crossed. Yeah
0: that's great to hear. I mean, I was looking at your your story that was printed in, in the news article. And one of the things you talked about was getting an internship in investment banking. And from my understanding, you were after having been in the club and gotten all this training, you're really kind of honing in to try to get an investment banking internship. Can you talk about that experience? And, and what was that like, going from a student and now like duking it out to get one of those uh, coveted spots?
1: I think coming into college, one of my biggest fears actually was like, Getting a job after graduation. Like, I know it's super early to be thinking about, but like, I think coming with a disability, right? I was just really scared that during the job application process, I would be like discriminated against. So I knew I had to do everything possible to really show that I was the best candidate for the job and be like the most prepared and the most hardworking person out there. I was lucky to know early on that I wanted to do finance. I took like a student led class on investment banking my first semester. And then my spring semester, I actually applied to, you know, a lot of banks hold like these exploratory slash diversity programs where Mm. they would actually fly out like diverse candidates to their offices and show them around and really show what the bank is like the culture and give an overview of the industry so i was lucky enough to get invited and flown out by goldman sachs bank of america and credit swiss my freshman spring to their offices and really got a good view of, of their culture and the industry so going into my sophomore year i knew i wanted to apply to one of these sophomore programs that these banks had it's really hard to get a sophomore internship. Usually, they're only seeking diverse candidates, which luckily, I fit the bucket. But I didn't even get an interview at any of them until, uh, except for Credit Suisse. And luckily, you know, did well in the first round. And then, you know, the second round was a, a super day. So actually, I was one of the last super days to happen in person before like COVID hit in fall 2019. Did the super day. I didn't, I actually didn't think it went that well. But, you know, ended up with the offer and was super happy after that. And then, did the sophomore year internship really? I really had a good experience, so I decided to come back for my junior summer. And luckily now I'm going back full time um, in New York, which is really, pretty exciting. Yeah. Usually we don't we don't send that many alumni to New York, so um, super exciting for that. But yeah, I mean I, I think that was a overview of like my recruiting process.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Going from being a student to going to you know, kind of a big bank. That's a huge jump, especially for someone like from a first generation college student background, maybe didn't have a ton of exposure to that before. What was that jump like? And any tips or tricks that you might have for folks who might be thinking about doing something similar?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely a big jump. I had never really had outside of my internship freshman year at my mayor's office which is pretty informal you know credit suisse was my my actual like first real corporate office job and mm. and definitely you know having not done something like this before definitely interesting transition in terms of like office etiquette how to speak to people and like network professionally honestly i would just say like talk to as many people as possible I and mean, older people who like already been through this stuff i think i've been lucky to have a lot of mentors both in college and then who have since graduated who, you know, I can reach out to any time for like any questions that I may have about like professional life and can get like professional advice from. So yeah, just talking to as many people as possible and doing your research. I think we're lucky in this day and age that, you know, a lot of things are posted out there on the internet and especially within finance, you know, recruiting used to be like a lot more competitive because it was... It's kind of like this elitist club, people, you know, a lot of nepotism ran rampant and there wasn't a lot of information out there to demystify the recruiting process. But I think these days, if you do your research and you really put in the work to repair, you know, anyone can get a job in finance or whatever else you're aiming to go into.
0: Kevin, why don't we talk about what's next? Uh, Maybe share with the folks where you are now and, and what are you planning to do when you finish graduation?
1: Yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, where I am right now, you know, obviously in my senior year, I'm trying to make the most of it. Obviously, since, you know, I've lost, unfortunately lost like a year and a half due to COVID. So it's good to be back on campus, good to finally genuinely to just see friends again who I haven't, some who I haven't seen in a year and a half. So just trying to make the most of it. Obviously, still taking classes, trying to get the best grades possible, actively, actively involved in in a lot of my clubs. I think I may take a step back next semester. For my last semester, I think some next steps is trying to take it easy before I start full time because obviously like investment banking, you know, I probably won't have much of a life once I start. So I might do some traveling the summer after I graduate. Some friends want to go to Cabo in the spring, during spring nice. break. So I've never traveled outside the country. So that, that should be fun. And I'm actually applying tentatively Applying to some deferred MBA programs in the spring. Oh. I, I don't necessarily know if super committed to it, but I think like getting an MBA is in the plans eventually. And if I can secure an offer at like a top MBA program before I graduate, I think that'd be like very like that. No, that would set me up very well. So in the process of you know studying for the GMAT right now and preparing to apply in the spring. But yeah, other than that, not that much else going on, I guess.
0: Yeah. So if there are any admissions officers. From <laughs> other great business schools including this one but other ones as well look (laughs) out for an application kevin can you uh, share with folks a little bit about when you go back to credit Suisse? you know what what area of 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 the bank are you going to work in and maybe could you share for folks who might be interested in investment banking what does that look like from a day to day
1: i'll be going to our new york technology coverage group so interestingly enough most tech groups are based in sf or palo alto you know on the west coast but Swiss actually has a very well-developed tech group on the East Coast as well. We have quite a few MDS and like pretty good deal flow there. So you know, excited to be returning to that. In terms of day to day, you know, so as a coverage banker, you really are the one like owning the relationship with these various tech companies in the industry, and you pair up with the various product groups, including things such as M and A. And when I, for example, when I was working on an M and A deal this, this summer, I was working mostly on the SIP, which is the confidential information presentation, which would go out to all the potential buyers who are interested in the company that that we're selling. So doing a lot of like qualitative analysis, a lot of decking in PowerPoint, and then some light financial modeling on the side. But yeah, in essence, every day is different. Obviously, you'll usually be juggling like multiple deals at once because this deal, this deal I was on was very like active and required a lot of work. I was only staffed on one other deal, which was a spec, which is also quite oh, interesting. interesting. But yeah, you'll usually be juggling a bunch of you know different live deals, which could be M&A or like equity or capital raises such as IPOs and oftentimes like what we call like pitches where you're pitching to companies to win like a, a deal mandate. So it'll usually be a lot of a lot of PowerPoint and Excel and taking notes on meetings.
0: We're coming towards the end of our time and super thankful for, for you to make the time. Can you share maybe if there's uh, any organization or group that you want to highlight or or you'd like other people to support? And you've been part of so many awesome clubs and groups during your time as a student and elsewhere. Would love to highlight anything that you think other people should get behind.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've already uh, highlighted capital investments at Berkeley as well as Matriculate. There are two other clubs on campus that I didn't get to talk about that are really great and also contributed to my college experience. The first one is a GRC Global Research and Consulting Group. I actually started this consulting club myself last fall. It's actually like a chapter within one of many chapters within a international organization with chapters across a bunch of different universities uh, all over the world. And we focus on providing pro bono consulting services to global nonprofits. I think it's super interesting starting. Uh, you know, a new club, especially a consulting club during COVID and, you know, it's starting a club and running it and taught me a lot about myself and like leadership. Uh, so we definitely recommend checking that out. And, and last I'd like to shout out is uh, Scholars of Finance. It's uh, another finance org I'm part of. It's also chapter with a national nonprofit and. Basically, it, it's more of a values-based club with the goal of inspiring the next generation of finance leaders to act with ethics and, and values. And we do a lot of stuff such as we have a mentorship network. We do a, a monthly speaker series. And you know, it's, it's just a, a nice club. Definitely very different vibe than a lot of the other clubs I'm part of. People there are very like down to earth because we're more of a values-based club instead of teaching like technical knowledge. But yeah, I, I think those are all, all the words. Oh, I guess I'll give a quick shout out to my fraternity, Pi Kappa Phi, I joined a fraternity pretty late, in my sophomore spring, and definitely one of the top three best decisions i made in college. Contributed a lot to my personal growth. and It's been a lot of fun um, being part of that organization as well.
0: Very cool. As promised, Kevin, we, we said we'd do a lightning round towards the end. Some controversial questions that folks uh, may be interested in, if you're down for that, I have just a couple of ones that I would like to ask you. Sure thing. First question. Favorite place to eat near Berkeley.
1: Yeah, I think my answer to this has changed over time. My favorite place used to be Gypsies, the Italian pasta place. Yeah. But I think now my favorite place would be this place also on Southside called Kiraku. It's a bit more of an upscale like Japanese like tapas place, but it's really good.
0: Very good. If anybody's looking for a meal on, on near campus, take this one. Second question, place where you spend most time when you're on campus.
1: At this point in time, it's definitely Haas because all my classes are in Haas, in Haas Courtyard a lot, just because Haas is such a small community. I'll be just walking and I'll see like a bunch of people I know and I'll stop the chat for 20, 30 minutes. So definitely Haas Courtyard. But before I got into Haas, it was definitely Sprawl Plaza, a very active place on campus. I love the, the energy that's always there.
0: Very cool. If you had to choose, would you choose finance or gaming?
1: Oh, man, I I think 100% gaming. I actually had always dreamed of being like a a Twitch streamer or an influencer of some kind. Ever since my article was posted, people have definitely been telling me to try it out. And I've just been too lazy to, but I don't know. That's on the bucket list, I guess. Absolutely.
0: And last question. Finally, something that excites you about the future.
1: Something that excites me about the future. Oh, man, that's a tough one. I honestly, I'll say I'm excited to be going to New York, obviously lived in california my whole life and i think it'll be a nice change of pace i was in new york for two weeks this summer for my internship and i absolutely loved it there i'd always thought i'd prefer sf over new york but like now like definitely new york over sf like any day at this point and i'm excited you know i don't have a lot of friends going there so I just be in a new environment not knowing anyone and just living the next two years of my life um working in just a new place and discovering myself
0: that's awesome kevin it's been so good to have you on the show today and You're an inspiration. I know you said maybe you don't try, but you're definitely an inspiration to me and probably a ton of other folks here at Berkeley. And and we wish you all the best.
1: Thank you, Chris. Happy to have you been on here. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode
0: of The Pause Podcast. If you enjoyed our show today, please remember to hit that subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast player. We'd also really appreciate you giving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking for more content, please check out our website at haas.fm. That's spelled H-A-A-S F-M. There you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter and check out some of our other Berkeley Haas podcasts. And until next time,
1: go Bears.